Hi, and welcome back to the Curiously Intrigued Kids podcast. Thank you for joining us on our new release date, Monday. I'm your host, Devin Hardy, and I'm here again with my little sister, Stella, and my brother, Ivan. Hi, Devin and World. Hi, looking forward to finding out new things. Thank you for joining me, Ivan and Stella. This week, we are talking about Estella's favorite thing to pet when we are on a hike. Can you tell everyone what that is? Moss! It's so soft, I love it. (coughs) So first, I'm going to explain moss for any of our friends who don't know what moss is. Moss is a small, non-flowering plant that has leaves and a small stem, but no true roots. If you see a cute, fuzzy green carpet of plant in the woods on a rock or tree, it's most likely moss. Devin, what did Stella say when she fell in the pile of moss? What? I'm liking this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is a great place to start. Lichen, spelt L-I-C-H-E-N, is often confused with moss. But lichen and moss aren't actually related. The truth is, while they are both called non-vascular plants, lichen is more of a fungi algae, where moss is actually a true, simple plant. What does non-vascular mean? Non-vascular plants are plants that grow lower to the ground. Vascular plants are plants that are high-growing, like trees and plants with long stems that need tubes to move food and water through them. Where non-vascular plants don't need a specialized vascular system for transporting, they just contain simple structures that are specialized to perform the transportation. Moss relies on diffusion and osmosis. You may remember the process of diffusion from our jellyfish episode. So what's osmosis then? Osmosis Simply put, is change from a diluted or thinner solution to concentrated or thicker solution to obtain balance. So how do they get their food? Well, moss are little plants, so they get most of their energy through photosynthesis. What is that? The word photosynthesis can be separated to make two smaller words. The first part, photo, means light. And the second part, synthesis, means putting together. Photosynthesis is basically the process on how plants make their food. The plant needs sunlight, carbon dioxide, or CO2, which is what we breathe out, and water. Photosynthesis takes place in leaves of the plant. The leaves are made up of very small cells. Inside the cells are structures called chloroplast. Each chloroplast contains a green chemical which gives it the green color called a chlorophyll. The chlorophyll absorbs the sun's energy. The energy is used to split the H2O or water molecules apart. The oxygen half is released back into the air. That's why plants are so important for our environments. The other half of the water molecule is hydrogen is added to carbon dioxide and used to form glucose, which is sugar or food for plants. Cool. What else do you guys want to know about moss? How long have they been around? 
question, Ivan. Scientists think that moss has been around for 450 million years. That's almost as long as the jellyfish. In fact, according to fossil records, mosses evolved from algae, which has been around for at least 1.5 billion years, which means they have survived a range of different climates and changes. How? Well, one way they do it is when moss first dries out, it doesn't actually die. It goes brown and stays dormant, which is kind of like a deep sleep. Different species can stay like that for different lengths of time until they are rehydrated. One species can survive in a dormant state for 19 years. I see moss everywhere. Does it grow everywhere? Haha! -ha. Basically, moss grows in many different environments. There are actually about 12,000 species of moss found from cold mountains to baking hot deserts. They can live anywhere except salt water. Mosses survive best in environments between negative 15 degrees Celsius or 5 degrees Fahrenheit to 40 degrees Celsius or 104 degrees Fahrenheit. The way they survive in hotter climates is by going dormant, like I talked about earlier. How do rocks feel about moss? I don't know. It's growing on them! <laughs> <laughs> How does it grow on rocks and trees? Great question, Stella. Like I said before, mosses don't have roots, but they do have something called rhizoids. They don't help at all with nutrition for the moss. Their only function is to attach the plant to a substrate. What's a substrate? Oh, that just means whatever surface the moss want to grow on. What do you call a man with moss on his head? Um, I don't know. Jinx! You're Minnesota! Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, peat moss is pretty fascinating. Some of our listeners may have used it before in their garden. So to know about peat moss, we have to learn about a certain species of moss called sphagnum moss. This type of moss is known for its ability to hold water. In fact, it can hold 12 to 16 times its weight in water. So that's where you'll commonly find it, in a mat on top of the water. Most sphagnum moss make a type of wetland called peat bog. The peat moss is all the dead fibrous material that forms when moss or other living material decay in the peat bog. Ew! <laughs> yeah, peat bogs cover about 5% of the land surface. But while peat moss is helpful in some cases, everyone should start looking for alternatives. Peat moss farming is starting to be banned in some places. When they harvest, the peat moss releases CO2 into the atmosphere, which is contributing to the problem of climate change. Dun, dun, dun. But on a lighter note, would you like to hear about when moss went to space? space. Yes, please. Yes. Okay, 
Well, in 1997 and 2003, astronauts brought some petri dishes of moss to see how or if moss grew in space. The scientists believe that gravity influenced the way that moss grows straight on Earth and assumed that moss would grow in crazy different directions without it. Ready for the super cool part? Yes. Yes. The moss didn't grow all over the place. It grew in circles and spirals. Scientists now believe that that is the moss's default way to grow, if that wasn't influenced by gravity. I've got a few more moss facts to share with you. Are you all ready? Yes. Mossy. <laughs> so, you know those moss balls that we have in our fish tank? Yes. Yes. Those actually aren't real moss. They're algae. What? There are two main classifications of for moss. Acrocarpus moss and pleurocarpus moss. So next time we are out on a hike, you'll have to see which classification the moss is in that we see. So the Acrocarpus moss grows slowly in an upright habit, forming more like mounded groups of moss that can't tolerate too much moisture and will rot. They need time to dry out. When the mosses fragment and off, they take a long time to generate. It can take over two years to grow a carpet of Acrocarpus moss. The advantage to it though is since it's so thick and dense, it is unlikely for weeds to attack it. Now, Pleurocarpus, on the other hand, spreads out like a carpet and branch out freely. They can tolerate constant moisture. Some can even be found submerged under water. Pleurocarpus grow rapidly from broken fragments and double in size in six months. Can you eat moss? Yes, most moss is completely harmless, but it may not be the yummiest meal. And it has low nutritional value, but in a survival situation, it is something edible. You just might want to cook it first. A lot of animals like reindeer eat moss though. Huh. While it's not really the best meal for us, moss is actually a great plant that helps the environment. Moss will absorb harmful toxins from wet areas. It filters the carbon dioxide and pumps out air into our environment. And they are a huge help against erosion. What's erosion? Oh, erosion is the wearing away of land caused by water, wind, and ice. Moss also helps with soil temperature by either warming it up or cooling it, depending on the environment. all the facts I have for you, you both today. Who knew there was so much to learn about moss? What a cool plant. Thank you two for joining me today. Thank you, Thank you Devin. Devin. I like moss even more now. Now I'm going to draw a superhero called Moss Man that's going to help the environment. Huh, that sounds cool, Ivan. Thank you all for listening to the Curiously Intrigued Kids podcast. I hope you listen to next Monday's episode 
we're heading back to the time of the dinosaurs again. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and learned something new. If you have any recommendations for me to explore, please email us at thecuriouslyintriguedkids at gmail.com. If I pick your suggestion, I'll make sure you get a shout out. Also, if you're listening to this in the future and the information is a little different, keep in mind, I try to find the most accurate facts at the time. But the fun thing about science is information is constantly changing as we learn new things. Thank you again for joining us. Until next week, let's get curious. Let's get curious!